Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Yes, after a walkthrough Wednesday, we're back at it. Full practice, full Birds 365. You got me, Jody McDonald, Rick Saratella in for John McMullen in the co-host chair. But you see John McMullen's handsome face there because he has already made his way over to Eagles practice. Uh, they'll get in a full workout today. And the coaches are starting early for you, huh, Johnny Mac? That's why we're not going to get – we don't have you up here on the stream. We just have to look at that picture of yours. Yeah, that's uh, – I apologize in advance. Hopefully, Rick will make up for it. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, trying, they're trying to beat the heat a little bit. Um, it's still pretty hot out, so I, I don't know. But they're trying to beat the heat. A little bit. It's supposed to be a hundred, near a hundred, and you know the humidity's bad, so it's it's going to be a it's going to be a steamy day. Well, yeah, the Eagles getting that? ready for uh, I guess another padded practice. Uh, John, how's the intensity been so far? Well, uh, 
you know, when they are out there, when they're, when they're, you know, they're very intense in these short sessions. Um, and we'll see, I, I'm not sure what they're going to be wearing yet. I'm not out there yet, but, uh, there's, um, you know, they have green, they have yellow, they have red practices. Um, green is the most intense. Um, and, and when they do have a green practice, they, they do move and, and they get, they get as much work as you can done. You can get done in, in the time period they're going to go. Um, basically their longest practice is 90 minutes. So it, you know, Jody and I have talked about that a lot. It's, it is what it is. That's the new era of the NFL. And they are good at taking advantage of the time they do use. Um, and the, and the only thing I question, I question more about the spring in that, you know, when you're allowed, I think it was 13 OTA sessions and you use five or six of them. That, that didn't make sense to me because even if you're doing classroom work, you know, cause you don't play football in the spring. Um, so I'm not concerned about that for, but you have young players and you're trying to get them up to speed. What, what does it hurt to use the time allotted to you? Speaking of time allotted, they got 90 minutes today. Is that the max they can do today? Ninety. Uh, I'll, I'll know that when I talk to Dom DeSandro. He's the one who gives me the the lowdown on on how long the practices are going to go. Uh, but yeah, it's going to range anywhere from seventy five to ninety minutes. My guess would just because they already moved practice, they're probably thinking about making it a little bit shorter. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I and that's just a guess. That's just speculation because of the heat. And, you know, they want to keep the players safe, and that's understandable. Uh, you know, I was on the field, worst day I've ever covered in the NFL, different era, different time. But I was on the field when, when Corey Stringer um, went down and passed away. And really? That, you know, yeah, and that really shifted everything in the NFL. Um, and, you know, back in those days, they didn't let us bring water on the field. And I know younger people don't believe that mm -hmm. they, they didn't let us, you know, a Andy Reed is kind of famous for, you know, uh, not letting anybody sit down and practice. Um, back in those days, you were considered weak if you you went to get water and, you know, so we have come a long way and a lot of that can be traced back to that day. It really can because, that was just a, a horrible, horrible situation. Wow. I did not know that you were there that day, John. I, you and I have been doing the show for a, a year and change now, but I didn't know. I know you covered the Vikings, but I didn't know that you were there that day. And you're right. That had implications well past Minnesota to the entire National Football League. And the Eagles are not a team, uh, at least this uh, uh, version of the Eagles with Nick Sirianni in charge, is not that kind of a team that's going to push the envelope. They're going to err on the side of caution and precaution. So uh, we'll see how many minutes they actually put in there today. Um, we're a little over a week away from that all-important first preseason game against the Jets, which is different because they almost always have played the Jets the last preseason game this year. They're playing the first preseason game. Uh, they got the offense installed for that uh, first preseason game just yet, Johnny Mac? No, I, I, they're not going to be game planning for the Jets. They're not going to be oh. game planning to stop Mike White. And I don't think they're going to be able to stop Mike White. Uh, we'll see. I think the Jets are better equipped to, to play deep into a preseason game to save the better uh, third-string quarterback. But, uh, no, I mean, you, you – 
they're not game planning for preseason games. And we know the Eagles have already shown we're not going to see any, you know, there are a few starters that have to play just from a numbers game, but very, and, and, and the key starters aren't going to play at all. And we saw it last year. I mean, think about last year, Jody, Jalen Hurts was completely, completely unproven and they didn't play him. So why the heck would they play him now? I mean, uh, and you'll see, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to play. They'll be, they'll be high, high, um, you know, high-profile quarterbacks who get a, a, a series or two, but not the Eagles, man. They're they're not going to do it. You know, well, once Jalen re- turns around and says, "Sorry, Rick," yep. once Jalen turns around and says, "I need this, I need that," which I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and he, even if he does that, I don't know if they'll listen to him. Uh, there, there's really not too many. I don't think, if any, starting jobs really up for grabs on the table here. So I like the preseason because it gives a look at some of these younger players, some of the undrafted free agents trying to make a name for themselves. And a lot of these guys might be auditioning for one of the other 31 teams as well. Um, But there are a couple backup jobs up for grabs. Haven't had a chance to pick your brain on that backup tight end spot. I saw Richard Rogers activated from the pup list. Uh, Is he going to be thrown right into the fire? Will they ease him? Will he get uh, playing time? How do you kind of see with Calcaterra still, uh, bothered by that hamstring. I, I think they got seven tight ends on the roster. How do you kind of make sense of this backup spot? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a shame because Grant had a good couple first two, three days of practice. And and then he came down with the hamstring injury and, and he actually, you know, caught a pass when he got hurt. It was a nice little catch. So uh, he, he had really been, uh, showing some things early in camp, and now you're always going to be cautious with hamstring injuries, especially with positions you have to run at, and obviously as a tight end, and he's more of a receiving tight end, uh, they're going to be as cautious as possible. I, I, I think that's a bigger deal than people make it out to be because the Eagles need uh, depth at tight end, and as good as they are with the starter, you know, there's a lot of question marks, and Tyree Jackson's not going to be available anytime soon. Richard Rogers is like that old, you know, break glass in case of emergency, and he's healthy now, and he's he's been working out on the side fields, um, so he should be ready to go. They need a body, uh, an extra body, a tight end with no Calcaterra, no Tyree Jackson, um, so he'll get some time. They kind, I mean, they know what Richard Rogers is, right? They want um, they want a better athlete. They want to get younger, uh, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, Jack Stoll is limited. I mean, he's, he's really just a blocking tight end. I mean, he's not going to scare anybody when it comes to the receiving game. So um, I think Calcaterra was important. And I think that could be a position. You just mentioned preseason games and guys, undrafted guys and uh, backups getting a chance to show their wares. Well, I think the Eagles are going to be looking at the 31 other teams when it comes to, to potential backup tight ends. As of right now, as Ricky pointed out, I think he said seven. There are actually eight if you count J.J. Arcega-Whiteside as a tight end. Uh, which yeah, J.J. J.J., you know, J.J., I, I'll say this. You know, obviously it's his fourth year. It hasn't worked out, but. You know, he's the Eagles do this little developmental period um, at the end of uh, practices it, real quick, you know, 
10 minute period with the younger players and, you know, Reed Sinet's the quarterback or Carson Strong's the quarterback and poor JJ's got to be out there with the developmental players. That was not the original plan when he was a second round pick, but, uh, it's, you know, when they're changing your position this far into your career, that's, that's not a, that's never a good sign. No, but uh, he is fighting his uh, way to try and make a broad spot as a backup tight end. He is, as you're uh, laying out there, uh, climbing uphill. Um, but they have eight different tight ends right now uh, on the roster. A couple not uh, physically ready to play, but they are on the roster. John, the Eagles only have five running backs in camp. And if you believe Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott are all going to be contributors week one when the season gets underway. If you're looking to protect them the way you do Jalen Hurts, as you correctly noted, last year, still major question marks, didn't take a snap in preseason. Well, then you should do the exact same thing with Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell and Boston Scott. How many carries are Jason Hundley and Brooks Kennedy going to get? They've only got five backs in camp. Johnny Mac, they can run these two guys into the ground all preseason. Yeah, you know, they are. And and you know what's funny? You barely see those guys get meaningful reps, and I'm talking about Huntley and Brooks, uh, in practice. So, to me, I'm thinking to myself, why are you giving Miles and Kenny Gainwell and Boston so many reps in practice? Now, obviously, because they're not going to play them much or if at all in preseason. Um, But it still is one of those things where I – I kind of shake my head. It's kind of counterintuitive. Like you want to protect these players, protect these players. They are. It's just another indication that the Eagles value practice a heck of a lot more than preseason games because they're giving their key guys in the passing game the same way. I, I, the, it's A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. It's A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard. Just time after time after time after time. And, you know, you start to go, all right, let's get, let's see what this, some of these other guys can do. And that's going to be the preseason games where it's going to be, I've barely seen Kennedy Brooks. And I, I think I'm going to see him carry it, you know, 15 times in the preseason game. Correct. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, I don't know if they'll keep four running backs. Jason Huntley brings a, a special teams element, maybe putting him ahead of Brooks in terms of value. Uh, how about my guy, though, you know, Britton Covey? Are we going to see a, a punt return or kick return? The special teams is up for grabs, and Covey is a, a rookie player looking to make a name for himself. I would imagine he's going to get some run here with the Jets. Yeah, I hope so. I hope he makes a play. I, he's a, I got to talk to him for a while the other day. He's a, he's a really good kid. His, his grandfather sold like i don't know some outrageous 25 million self-help books i mean outrageous number uh passed away a couple years ago um so he's got an interesting background i i you know he went on an lds mission to, to chile so uh he's an older rookie um i think he's 25 because he took a a couple years off for that mission uh and then he came back but he made a lot of plays at, at Utah, and not only as a returner, as you mentioned, Rick. He was he was a good slot receiver. He was he was a high school quarterback. He he, he I think he was three for three, uh, passing the ball in college. Had a big touchdown 
to Tyler Huntley, uh, you know, and one of those uh, plays who's now the uh, backup in Baltimore. Um, he's a good football player, but, and Jody will get this reference and probably nobody else, but, you know, he looks like Orange Cassidy. Like he doesn't belong. He's five foot eight. They list him at five foot eight and 170 pounds. And they are being generous with that 170. Uh, I mean, he is small. And, I, you know, people would say Darren Sproles was small. And I was so I would Darren Sproles wasn't small. He was short. short uh, right. He was incredibly powerful. Pound for pound, probably the strongest player on the Eagles. That's how powerful he was. Uh, Boston Scott, same thing. People say Boston Scott is small. He's not small. He's a power lifter. He is powerful. He is just short. Britton Kobe is small. Um, now, hey, I, I, how do you not root for the kid? Um, but to be, a, you know, to be a returner, even a, even a punt returner, which is a little bit more important, they've sort of devalued kick returner to the point where, you know, you're not just going to be a kick returner. Nobody's just keeping a kick returner. You're going to have to help somewhere else. Same thing kind of with punt returner. Like, can he be a slot receiver um, as well? Or can he be a coverage guy on special teams? I, I don't I don't know. Um, but I, I also think about those returner jobs, Rick, overall. It all centers on Jalen Rager. If Jalen Rager's here, he's going to be the returner. Um, if they can trade him, then that opens up some doors for – the Jason Huntley's of the world and the Britton Covey's of the world, but they're going to have to prove that they can do other roles as, as, as well. All right, John, let me ask you about a guy who's neither small nor short. Uh, and that would be the Eagles backup left tackle Andre Dillard. No, you can only learn so much in practice. Andre had been here uh, for the years that he has. Um, he's surely not going to be breaking into the starting lineup with Jordan Mailata ahead of him. Um, we debated this all offseason, what the Eagles could or would do with Andre Dillard if a trade were available to them. Do they want to recoup an asset? Do they want to just keep a better left tackle as limited as he is positionally? That's the only one he can play, but he is the best backup left tackle they have. Dillard shown anything, any uh, whispers as to what the preferred course of action, whether Dillard is here or whether Dillard is dealt? What do you think the Eagles are doing here? Well, he left practice, so I'm interested to see what what his injury was. Um, what day? I get mixed up with what day it is in training camp. What day are we at? It? <laughs> this would be full practice Thursday after walk through Wednesday. Thursday, yes. Thank you, Jody. So Tuesday, he left. Uh, he left practice a little bit early. Um, and, and we didn't get a clarification. So, number one, I got to see if he's out there. Number two, got to see. I don't think it was serious. It didn't look serious at all. Um, but, again, the Eagles are very cautious. Look, he's a good player, I said. You know, and by good player, I mean he's he's a he's a starting level NFL left tackle. And, and by that, I mean there's 32 left tackles. He's one of the best 32 in the world. Um, the Eagles see value in that. Um, I agree with them. I think they think they're a contender. Um, and at this point, I think they would rather have the depth 
now maybe they revisit that at the trade deadline because they know they're going to lose him eventually. But there's a lot of strategy involved with that. You know, how he's thinking about things down the road as well. He kind of knows, are we going to be players in free agency next year? Is a comp pick in the question if he signs a, a relatively decent deal, which I think he'll get? All of that factors into it. But I think to start the season, I think they think they have a chance to be a contender and they would rather have the player. Um, now, if somebody bowls them over with a third-round pick, a day-two pick, that could change things. And you never know what happens. If somebody loses their left tackle in the preseason or training camp, we've seen Rick Spielman get antsy and, 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 and desperate and offer more than you should. If there's another GM who does that, it could change the thinking. But right now, uh, the Eagles, I think, like the player, want to keep the player uh, unless they're bowled over. Yeah, I, I can't justify if, if you're saying I got a guy who can start at left tackle in the NFL, but I'd be happy to get a third round pick. I, I can't justify that because if you're drafting in the third round, you ain't going to find a guy that can start in the NFL. So I don't think they get the fair value now. Maybe preseason, a starting left tackle goes down. You know, round two, maybe I'm thinking about it. I don't think they get a first-round offer. So round no. two, maybe I'm thinking about it, right? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a tough decision. It really is. But, you know, it, it, it lowers the value because you know you're going to lose the player. Like the Eagles have hit the end of the road. Uh, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option because he's not a starter, so they don't have that leverage. Um, and they shouldn't have because that's a lot of money. Um, so the leverage, you know, is, is not in their favor. And the longer you go, uh, unless there is that big injury in, in another city that creates that desperation, you kind of start losing leverage. And then you got to play that, play that game and kind of cross your finger if somebody gives you an offer. And that's why, you know, in a vacuum, I agree with you, Rick. If you have a starting level left tackle, you know, you should get a second round pick at least. Um, but the Eagles don't have a ton of leverage because they're at the end of the line with Andre Dillard. All right, uh, John, I noticed this uh, just before the show started today. Uh, Jets uh, starting quarterback Zach Wilson deleted all of the social media apps oh. on his phone Good. before Good. preseason started. How many Philadelphia Eagles should be advised to do the exact same? Well, I think it was Dave, Dave Zangaro yesterday. I get Dave. Jalen Rager's next drop should be his phone. Drop it. Drop <laughs> that phone. So that was a great line by Zangaro, correct. Um, yeah, I mean, he's number one. Miles Sanders is probably number two. I I would, you know, there are certain guys that you know can handle things and they're, you know, the veteran guys, Jason, Kelsey, Brandon, Graham, Fletcher Cox, on and on and on guys who've been through it all. They've seen it all. They know, they know what it is. Jalen hurts as a young player, obviously is tremendous at, at blocking out the noise. There are other players that are not tremendous at blocking out the noise. And, and like <laughs> we've talked about it, like Miles Sanders, you can't get upset at a reporter saying you take second team reps when you're taking second team reps. Right. I, I mean, that's a factual statement. Uh, well, you can, you can do whatever you want, but it doesn't make sense. 
Uh, in the case of Rager, uh, uh, you know, going after John Clark, who we know uh, is, you know, John's the nicest guy in the world. Uh, he's not trying to create any angst. It, it's it's a it's a new generation of athlete, man. I, I mean, look, if if you're in the public eye and you're, you're going to get you're going to get some you-know-what. And sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's not. But if it affects you that much, especially on Twitter, I mean, you got so many trolls on Twitter. Forget about the constructive stuff. Forget about the factual stuff. You have so many trolls on Twitter that go after these players. If it's going to affect you, yeah, just delete the damn app and get off the phone. But it's a different generation. They're, 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 uh, they're addicted in many ways to it. And it's difficult. Jalen Rager is the perfect example because he's a guy who has deleted his account, brought it back, stopped it, you know, blocked people, brings it back, and, and he just can't stop. It's, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how much time NFL teams actually now spend in those 15-minute interview sessions at the Combine talking about Social media. What happens if you get criticism? How are you going to react? Can you take it? And I, I specifically remember the Giants asking Kayvon Thibodeau very uh, bluntly, hey, are, are you built for the big city? Can you handle this? And Thibodeau came to the podium and called the Giants out for, for questioning. But that's going on around the league because, you know, when you come to a big market like a Philadelphia, like a New York, uh, there, there's 20 beat reporters waiting for you after practice and it's a different nature of the beast. And so Jalen Rager, I mean, I would imagine he is still a trade candidate. John, is, is he going to get some run here in the preseason game? And shout out, John Clark gave him uh, a kudos for the big 70 yard touchdown pass. I keep hearing about, yeah. is that well, something we they were practicing on or? Yeah. We all gave him credit. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, when we say nice things, I get it all the time. Everybody's, oh, I, I got it with Jalen Hurts when he had uh, a good practice. And, and you know, before somebody, uh, you know, I wonder if McMullen's going to tell the truth. Why am I going to say he had a great practice? Why am I going to say anything else? Um, you know, I've talked about James Bradbury. I've raved about James Bradbury. Jody knows that. Yeah, both of us. Uh, nobody, no, nobody, nobody, everybody focuses on the negative. Uh, with Jalen Rager, if he drops the football, we tell you he drops the football. If he gets a 70-yard touchdown, that was a tremendous, tremendous play on both ends. We tell you that. I mean, and we, every one of us said, what a play. What, what, what a great. Uh, uh, from Jalen, both Jalen, Jalen Hurts and Jalen Rager. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I knew that. I would. I would. I, I would be set for life if I could figure out why people react the way they do. Johnny, another guy who you and I have both been bullish on since the off season when they were putting this roster together before even the OTA started and and camp has opened up has been Marcus Epps. That yeah. both you and I liked what we saw out of Epps last year as the fill-in guy, the off-the-bench guy, didn't lose anything when they push, uh, pushed him into the lineup. If anything, maybe got a little bit better. And all offseason, we said that, listen, they're, they're not looking to replace Epps. 
whatever free agent safeties they're going to be attempting to sign. And we know the two that they did brought back one, brought in another uh, with Tart. The guy that's in the lineup, the the bigger of the locks was Marcus Epps. And you and I have been uh, standing our ground on that one since, as I said, camp started. And oh, by the way, He's lived up to that so far in camp, hasn't he? Yeah, I, I would say he's even been better. Uh, and throw T.J. Edwards. T.J. Edwards is another guy I've been telling people about for months and months and months, and he's kind of even out out outperformed expectations. But, yeah, I mean, I, I remember Marcus Epps when he got here. He was a rookie. Uh, it's a six-round pick in Minnesota. It was kind of that weird, you know, uh, the the Eagles cut Andrew Sandejo because they wanted to keep uh, a compensatory pick they were going to get, and they were at the limit. It was nine or ten games. And the Vikings said, oh, they're cutting Sandejo. Let's bring Sandejo back, uh, who had so much success there. And they had to cut Marcus Epps, so it ended, and the Eagles picked him up on waivers. So it ended up as almost a trade. Trade, right. Uh, and at the time, you know, Sandejo obviously was more prepared to play, but Marcus Epps was a was in his rookie year, a six round pick. And I remember, you know, they would say he's got he's got great. He was a walk on too at Wyoming, and the, and but he had great um, um, instincts and coverage, but he was really small. Uh, I mean, not very physical. And you see him today; he's a completely, completely different guy physically. Uh, he, he actually bought and runs a gym in Southern California and he's just in the gym all the time now. Um, and he's, he's completely, completely different from a physical. Now he's actually kind of a physical player and he was anything but when he first got here. So it's another example of that player development we talk about. Uh, he's still got those same coverage instincts and the football IQ. So he's got a chance to be a better player than people realize. And then same thing with T.J. Edwards. He works out with the Watts, so that tells you. He works out with T.J. Watt. So all those Wisconsin guys um, stick together. And if you see T.J. now compared to when he was a rookie, and he was a big guy. He was always a little bit different because T.J. is a big guy. But just his body and, and the way he's he's remade it, um, and that four eight seven that he ran, he doesn't run a four eight seven. So uh, you know he's never going to be Davion Taylor, um, but he's not that guy. And I go way back. I was just telling you, unfortunately, about Corey Stringer. Jack Del Rio was one of the best nickel linebackers I've ever seen, just because ha- how smart he was, and he knew could diagnose everything. And Jack couldn't run a lick, but you know, if you run a four-four and take a false step, you ain't you ain't, you ain't doing any. But if, if you understand the game like T.J. Edwards and you run a four-six, you can do some things in coverage. So the Eagles have some young players, and it's right up the middle. I'm looking forward. I, I mentioned that Jordan Davis up front, who we know has all the physical gifts in the world. Um, and then T.J. Edwards and and Marcus Epps. So straight up the middle, I think it's I think it's going to be a good season uh, for the Eagles' defense up the middle. A lot of good potential there, and you know, 
as far as Epps is concerned, I know Harry Roseman called him the hardest working player on the team. Say what you want about that. Yeah. Um, TJ Edwards, I think, you know, it's gotten to the point now where the, the ripple effect in, in a positive way is that N'Kobe Dean really does not have to be rushed into the rotation or rushed into the lineup. But uh, you're on you got boots on the ground there, Johnny Mac. I'm reading conflicting reports about N'Kobe Dean. He's up. He's down. Maybe not comfortable yet i know he's a smart player is he still learning the play playbook what's your read on the kobe dean yeah i i don't think nicobe has done anything wrong uh, um it's just the other guys have played really really well and not just tj but also uh kaiser white and davion taylor so it's become a situation where the eagles have depth those guys do know the defense they they're a little bit farther along and throw Sean Bradley into that as well he's ahead of him as well now I think that'll change pretty quickly uh but yeah I mean everybody's got their startup cost and and the Kobe's no different and and the terminology's different so he's got to learn all that stuff but you know he's a mechanical engineering uh major he's got a 355 in college he'll be fine but when the Kobe Dean gets on the field, I've been saying this since day one, it's going to be for Kaiser White. It's not going to be for TJ Edwards. I would agree with that as well. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, no, you got to get uh, ready for practice here. We got you a couple extra minutes because you're already there. I do have to ask you about the decision that came down yesterday by the NFL to appeal the suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, I tried to tell you there was no way that Roger Goodell was going to sign off. Yeah, I'm always amazed. I give you credit for that one, Jody. I'm always amazed this league is so scared of public sentiment. Like nobody turns off the TV, no matter what, no matter the rules, no matter how bad the game looks. But they're always worried about five people screaming from the top of the mountain. Oh, this could affect their popularity. I thought, and the reason I thought they wouldn't is because they set up this system. They legitimately set up this system because they didn't want to deal with the headaches anymore. And they could point to the independent arbiter and say, well, it's it's their fault, in this case, Sue Robinson, and we'll wash our hands of it. And we can say, we don't agree with it, but it's independent. That's why they set this thing up. Now, unfortunately... Nobody could envision the first case that they would use it would be this, the most high profile of all high profile. Uh, you can't make it up in, in, a, in, a, in a Hollywood script. But even, even that said, I thought they would take the medicine. I thought they would say, you know what? We don't agree with it. We wanted to suspend him for a year, indefinite. We wanted to find him, but this is an independent judge. This is her decision, um, and we'll stand by it. I thought they had enough common sense to do that. And now, case number one, they have already destroyed the system that they wanted in place because they're scared of what essentially... And this has nothing to do with Deshaun Watson, nothing to do with positive or negative about Deshaun Watson. From my perspective, I could care less what, how long he's suspended. But from, from their standpoint, 
they're worried about what a two-week news cycle by the time week one rolled around it, people would be talking about other things the the popularity of this league and the stuff they worry about i will never ever understand it and they're still worried about it but john here's where you missed out if they really wanted it to be an independent system they would not have collectively bargained, put in on the back end, that if there's appeal, it goes back to Roger Goodell. If they really wanted to wash their hands of doing the work and put it in somebody else's hands to be able to decide, there would be no, it defaults back to the commissioner if either side appeals. When they well, put that, that in, that, they that told you ahead of time that it's not truly an independent system. No, it's not. But that part of it, but I think, you're thinking that part of it has to do with him wanting control. That guy doesn't want control. That guy's beaten down. That's about wanting He's not control. beaten down. He's the king. He's going to make the call again. How can you call him beaten down? It's back because, in his courts. No, the indication that he wouldn't accept it is beaten down because he's worried about public sentiment. And by the way, he's being told what to do. That's another thing people don't understand he's not the real power the owners are the real power my but but the the actual cba and the bargaining there has to do with control over the players and power over the players so they want to keep that power they want they want to keep that at the end of the day and d smith and and those guys deserve uh criticism as well because they don't negotiate these things in in, in a good way and then they hope activist judges. Then they go, then we're, the whole run, we're starting the whole thing over. They're going to go to federal court. So it becomes a, a forum shopping case. So they look for a, a judge that will overturn it and give them a stay. We go through this every single time, Tom Brady, all the situations before. They win battles, but they can't win wars because the, the higher it goes, they're not going to overturn the CBA. We've seen this movie before. Yep. A lot of people deserve uh, criticism. Um, but from my perspective, yeah, I thought the NFL would lean on the independent arbiter. They didn't. And I think it's a mistake from their long-term perspective. And now they're in the same pot they were in before. Same pot. They now, are, everybody, everybody. There's one, thinks, there's one difference, John. Um, because they brought the independent arbitrator in uh, at this juncture, the players got on record, the Players Association, and said, we're not going to appeal. Now, they, they can change their mind. They go ahead and appeal well, if they want. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to because they took such hard stance. We're not going to appeal. And we uh, asked the NFL to do exactly the same. They had no chance of that happening. Well, th there's two things. They did say that, Jody, but they also said if the suspensions a year were taken at the federal court. They right. said that which, before. Which they should, because they should fight for their players. But here's the difference. Because it went to an independent arbitrator first, when they uh, when the verdict came down, Deshaun Watson's going to start the first six games on the suspended list. They will appeal. They may get the stay, like you said, little battles that they've won before, but they eventually win the war. Same thing here. But when they signed off on not appealing, they basically accepted a minimum of six game suspension. So the John Watson's going to start the year. Even if they get a stay, they've got to go through the first six games. The, the demarcation point is week number seven. 
is he going to be able to play in week number seven if they haven't finished their battle in the federal court? But he's going to do yeah, the first I, six I, games. I, it I, used I, to be they get to stay in the, the, the individual like Brady could continue to play. That's not going to be the case with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I, I, I have to see how that shakes out because I've heard that. Uh, the problem there is if you're overturning the st- suspension and inserting a new suspension, um, it might change that. So I think that will depend. Look, it, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on if you're going to appeal in the first place, if you're going to take it to court. Who wins? You know, the NFL is trying to get it in the Southern District of New York, as they always do. Um, the NFLPA is going to forum shop. So where do they get? Do they get the activist judge who says, you know what? No, this is not fair. I'm going to say uh, I'm going to lean on, on, on the side of the player. Then they can get that stay. And it might be week one. It might be week seven, depending how he defines or she defines the actual suspension. In other words, does the new suspension overturn the original suspension? They could say that say forget about that six games that six games has nothing to do with it you're now suspending him for a year so it all depends on what form they're in it's a mess and the nfl is in the same mess it always is if the nfl pa wants to go that route now if they don't want to go that route maybe maybe we escape it but this is what they were trying to avoid and they had an opportunity to to avoid it but they're worried about public sentiment and I got to run guys. I, I apologize. I get too wordy, but that's, that's the way I I think it went. And obviously a lot of people has nothing to do with the player. Um, you know, and I, if everyone wants them suspended, I understand that, but I really thought the NFL wanted to avoid these headaches and they're back in the same pot of stew. They're back in the same circle. Go jump into the stew that will be Eagles practice today. It's going to be a hot one over there. Tell Coach Sirianni we said hi. That's John Thanks, McMullen, guys. my usual co-host, uh, doing Eagle reporting today. So Thanks, my co-host John. today is Rick Saratella. Ricky and I are going to chop it up. We'll continue to talk some Eagles in hour number two. Eric Edholm of NFL.com is going to hop aboard. Uh, we've got a lot more coming your way here on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Thanks for streaming on in on Birds 365 Thursday edition. Rick Saratella in for uh, Johnny Mac. Johnny just uh, headed on in to get a chance to talk to Coach Sirianni. A little time with the coaches prior to a full workout session for the Eagles today. They're trying to get it underway earlier than usual because it's supposed to be a hot one down in South Philadelphia today. Hot one throughout the entire Delaware Valley. But specifically, if the Eagles have the pads on, it'll be pretty hot for them, which, oh, by the way, John's John's just a nicer guy than I am. That's a foregone conclusion. Uh, and he's got to deal with the Eagles. I just sit here and talk about him on our stream. There is, hold on, 0% chance the Eagles go 90 minutes today. Two reasons why. Number one, it's going to be hot. So I think most teams in the NFL, if not all, um, we're practicing in the same conditions. The Eagles are going to be practicing in today with the heat would cut a little bit short. Number two, the Eagles have cut everything short. So you add those two things together. There is zero chance they're doing the full 90 minutes today. So while McMullen will be suffering out in the heat when he's there, oh, he's going to get out early. They're not doing 90 minutes. Uh, I'll, I'll bet very good money on that. Uh, Rick, we talk about the Eagles here more than anything else, but uh, you covered the entire National Football League. This is standard operating procedure. We're talking about degrees here, and I'm talking not talking 90 to 100. I'm talking degrees and uh, how things are done. Um, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Are they really keeping players safe? Are they preventing injuries? Are we just looking at a sloppier opening couple weeks of the season because of uh, an, uh, an overt-leading toward precaution with player safety? Yes and no. I mean, it's hard to uh, knock the medical aspect of it. And we mentioned Corey Stringer in that first segment. I mean, I, I guess there's probably a, a, a big percentage of our audience, Jody, that might not even been alive when that happened or know what happened. But Corey Stringer was an offensive lineman for the Vikings, 350 pounds, 
uh, back in the day, you didn't get water breaks. And so he died on the, he collapsed on the field and later died because of dehydration. And what Johnny Mack was saying is so true. I mean, I hate to say it. Uh, when I was playing, we had two a days, sometimes three a days. And if you went over to get a, a sip of water from that hose, you were scared to do it because you might get benched. You might get called out. You might get, uh, uh, put to a backup role and and that's the way that football used to be played it's a whole different era now you know to me when it comes to tackling you got to practice or you don't know how and that's why you get this sloppy tackling especially at the beginning of the season so I agree I mean look everybody's going to be looking for the exit door today it's the dog days of August but in terms of keeping guys safe I think when you are scared to hit and you don't go all out I think you can get injured that way too so to me I want I, if it was me, I'd be tackling, I'd be hitting fundamentals of football is really what separates a good team from a great team. So I guess to answer your question, a little bit of yes, a little bit of no. Ricky, uh, the first week of practice into now the second week of practice, um, except for maybe Tuesday was the first breakout day. The offense really shined. The Eagles defense has been better than the Eagles offense in preseason which most Eagle fans, or at least the pessimistic ones, look at as Jalen Hurts isn't good enough, our offense isn't going to be good enough, uh, Sirianni should be calling the plays rather than Shane Steichen. People are looking for reasons to beat up on the Eagle offense. Instead, I look at it as a positive for the Eagles' defense. I think they've upgraded the talents on the defense this year. Um, last year, you'll remember, they struggled early. Uh, perhaps that had something to do with Eric Wilson and Singleton playing linebacker rather than TJ Edwards when they kind of made TJ the man at linebacker. The Eagles got better. The defense got better. They've added a James Bradbury, who's a major upgrade at cornerback. Uh, yeah, I think Marcus Epps can outdo with either of the two. If Harris is Harris, then yeah, I think he can outdo what they had at the other safety position last year. They added Son Reddick. So yes, they may actually have a pass rush this year, some of the outside who can get double digit sacks and you throw Jordan Davis into that middle of the defensive line and he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. How much better is Eagle defense going to be this year, Saratella? I mean, that, that sounds like a significant upgrade to me, all three levels of the defense. I mean, up front, Jordan Davis, it might not show up in the stat box, but what this guy is going to do, he's going to eat space. He's going to absorb bodies. He's going to allow guys on the exterior to run around because uh, he's going to be clogging up the interior. And I think, you know, I think he's headed for 50% snap count, especially a big bulk on first and second down. And that's going to open up lanes for Hassan Reddick. You mentioned in the second level, and now you got a guy you can mix and match. I know uh, McMullen likes to use, use the, uh, the, the Khalil Mack and Von Miller kind of comparison. Uh, I look at what Michael Parsons did for the Cowboys last year. I think the Eagles saw that and said, hey, why don't we get a piece like that? And then, you know, Bradbury in the secondary just makes that unit a whole lot stronger. So I think, you know, it, that, that Eagles defense down the stretch where they kind of feasted on uh, some poor quarterbacks. I think Eagles fans want to know, was that, was that re real? Was that fake? Uh, and now with these upgrades, I think, you know, when you look around the league, uh, who's got a dominant defense? I mean, who are we talking about here? The Rams? I mean, who? how many teams can you count that have a better defense than the Eagles? And that does bode well for Jalen Hurts in the offense because it, it alleviates 
some of that pressure. And, you know, I think the Eagles are a sleeping giant here in the NFC because, again, after you get past, I don't think Tampa Bay is what Tampa Bay two years ago. And I think Green Bay has gone backwards with losing Devonta Adams. So after the Rams, it's really up for grabs. I look at the Bengals a year ago at this time. Nobody was talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Eagles could be that team in the NFC this year. And uh, if they can beat the Cowboys, win a division, they'd be in good uh, playoff stead. I do want to give, and we've done this before. I don't know if I've done it with you here on Bird 365, because usually when we throw you in, we go immediately to college football, which I will do before the day is out. I'll have a question or two for you, Ricky, before uh, we we get out of here today. Um, But uh, I've, and John has, and uh, we've uh, had guests on have said the same exact thing. Howie Roseman's got to get some significant credit for this uh, last year. And I say last year because it goes back into last season. Not just season ends, they get their tails kicked by Tampa in the playoffs, and then Howie Roseman's restructuring of the roster begins. Oh, no. He did work in season last year. When Jordan Mailata started the uh, preseason, the camp, as dominant as he did, put Andre Dillard in his rearview mirror and uh, – grabbed the left tackle starting spot and then was dominant from day one on everybody knew and everybody was clamoring for them to get a contract extension done with Jordan Mailata and now he got it done when we knew the Eagles were coming to camp with two different tight ends but they were looking to trade Zach Ertz and Ertz at the last game of the 2020 season had that emotional moment sitting on the bench after the game Thought that he was going to be dealt during the offseason. Didn't happen. Didn't happen until in-season. But we knew the Eagles were willing to go there because they believed that Dallas Goddard was going to be a, a top 10 tight end, maybe even a top five tight end. So the extension was coming. But they had to get it done. And Howie Roseman did. But that was obvious. Both my lot and Goddard were obvious. The less obvious ones were Avante Maddox who had a really good year last year, last year as the uh, uh, inside cornerback. And not everybody loved Devontae Maddox. Not everybody thought that Devontae Maddox should be starting, let alone get a contract extension. I uh, was the guy who was on the Avante uh, bandwagon, but so was Howie Roseman because he got the contract extension done. Give him credit for that. Last year, I said T.J. Edwards. I know John's a huge T.J. Edwards fan this year. But last year, I noticed how well he was playing. I said, this is right now he's wheelhouse. This is one of those guys where you get the contract done ahead of time. And that way you don't have to worry about restricted free agency or what tag going to put on him. Get it done now. Do it and bring him in as one of your quote-unquote core guys. And damn, if Howie Roseman didn't do just that. He identified guys to extend. And then, by the way, they went out and kicked some tail in the second half of the season last year, how he didn't get enough credit for that during this offseason as far as I'm concerned, Rick. How about you? I, I don't think Howie Roseman ever gets enough credit, right? I, I mean, he he really does a good job, in my opinion. And you see the wheeling and dealing, not only on draft day, building up equity for future drafts, but making smart, sound offseason decisions. I, we talked about it. He's not going to get them all right. But – I think also you got an influx of young NFL general managers that are willing to wheel and deal. So that plays into it as well. And, you know, somebody made a good point Uh, in today's NFL landscape to have four players that you drafted 
in and, and stay with the team for 10 years. I think Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, in, in the modern-day NFL era to have those four guys stay with your organization. I mean, Harry Roseman's been there since those guys got there, he, you know, 10 years. That's, like, unheard of. And, you know, he made his living as a cap specialist working up the ranks in the Eagles organization. So kind of took that Mike Tannenbaum route to, to NFL general manager. But, yeah, I think Howie Roseman is underappreciated, man. I know they went through some uh, power struggles here when Chip w- was on board, but he kind of rebounded nicely from that. And, hey, it's hard to argue with, with the product he's putting on the field. I mean, uh, we just talked about the defensive additions I mean, A.J. Brown, you can argue, one of the best offensive acquisitions in the league this offseason. Now, this is going to annoy the snot out of Eagle fans, so I'll apologize in advance. I'll give you my take after you give me yours. Uh, Excellent point you just made about putting in a full decade. Just doesn't happen in the NFL anymore, and the Eagles have four guys that fit that description going into this season. How many are still going to be on the roster in 2023? Well, you know, Cox is probably gone because, you know, Hargrave has got to get a contract and, 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 you know, they got Milton Williams and and Jordan Davis. I don't think Fletcher Cox is on the roster. BG. I mean, I I meant to ask Johnny Mack because Brandon Graham, I I heard is drinking from the fountain of youth here. He's been looking really good in training camp. So I think there's a possibility he comes back. Lane Johnson. I mean, we've been, and and Kelsey, you know, I mean, I made the mistake saying Kelsey won't be back next year, and and you guys uh, got on me for that. So it sounds like Kelsey might be back. Lane Johnson, I think this is his final season. So I'll say I'll say fifty percent, two out of four. Really? Wow! I yeah. You and I do see it differently, and neither one of us know. And the Eagles don't know. Nobody knows. Uh, we got to get through the entire season, and then uh, the Eagles and the individual players will make that decision. Uh, Rick Saratella, Jody McDonald, John McMahon will have nothing to do with it, other than being outside and and watching and registering an opinion. I think it could be one. And the one guy that I think is going to be back is the guy that you said you think is done. I think Lane's still got football left in him. I think Fletcher will be a cap casualty guy because they've got Jordan Davis. I think they like Milt Williams a lot. Uh, It'll either be Fletcher or Hargrave that comes back. And there's a possibility that both could walk away. But chances are they're going to keep one. And I'm with you. I think it would more so be Hargrave because he's the younger of the two. Um, So I think Fletcher, if he wants to continue to play, might have to do so elsewhere. Brandon Graham will all come down to how he plays this year. If he's, uh, and he's looked great in camp from everything that we've heard, if he is still a contributing guy and making plays and still wants to play, I think he'll be back. I think he'll come back and give the Eagles a very reasonable. I doubt that he's going to go chase money elsewhere. So it'll all come down to can Howie Roseman and he come up with a number that the Eagles can live with and he can live with playing. I think it's going to be difficult to do. Uh, Brandon did say this offseason he doesn't have any desire to go play anywhere else, but he didn't say I won't play anywhere else. So I bet you Brandon Graham is back in the league, but with another team, much like Fletcher. Um, And yeah, this is uh, fine. I'll be wrong again. I'm with you, Ricky. 
I've said like three times now, last three years, this could be Kelsey's last year. This could be Kelsey's last year. (laughs) Jason Kelsey's got the kids. He's probably going to walk away after this year. I've been wrong every single time. Just like I've said, Tom Brady is going to get old every year for the last 10 years. Kelsey, I've only been wrong for three. Brady, I've been wrong for 10. Uh, Actually, the last couple of years I stopped. I go, I'm tired of being wrong. Tom Brady's going to be great till he dies. He's going to (laughs) play till he dies. I don't want to get it wrong again. But I'll roll the dice and be wrong about Kelsey again. Um, I think he will walk away and retire as an all-time great eagle. And then uh, we'll wait for his day to be inducted in Canton into the Hall of Fame, which will be great. He'll probably dress up as a mummer. I think the guy that is most likely to come back, and I will go on record and say that he will be back, is Lane Johnson. But he's the only one, if you put a percentage on it, percentage on Fletcher coming back to me, less than 25 percentage on Brandon Graham coming back probably about 49. You got to go above or below 50. So I'm, I'm saying it's a toss up damn close to a toss up. I'll go 49%. He comes back. Kelsey coming back. It's either zero or a hundred. There's no in between either. He's going to decide to play, which means he's going to be back. He's going to be their starting center or zero because he retired. You can't play if you're retired. Um, So he's a weird one. But I'd say Lane Johnson's about 85% that he's back as the Eagles starting uh, right tackle. And you think he could be elsewhere. You think you think Lane is uh, contemplating retirement? Well, I mean, I think we'll see how he gets through the season with, with the durability issues. But, you know, he's been uh, keeping in pretty good shape, I know, in the garage. So, hey, you, you make a compelling case. No arguments here. I think where it gets even more interesting – Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And now we're really rubbing the crystal balls. But when you were out on Friday last week and shout out to Tone, our uh, producer behind the scenes, he he filled in the hot seat there. But he brought up a good point. If Jalen Hurts does get this big contract extension, well, oh, by the way, uh, Devonta Smith is going to be up for a contract extension as well. And you have A.J. Brown on the books. I mean, do you do you can you keep Brown and Smith and Hurts? I know the cap goes up but that's going to be a a hard situation to 
to navigate for Howie. Right. Uh, but I think that uh, if they were to move away from uh, Lane Johnson, that's going to be difficult if he wants to continue to play. That's a big dead cap hit. Uh, they're not going to have the flexibility to do the dead cap hit stuff that they've done in the past. That's one of the reasons why I think Lane's uh, coming back. He can come back because he's still all pro level at the right tackle, and I don't think he's ready to walk away just yet. All right, he's Rick Saratella. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll get a quickie timeout in here. Uh, as I mentioned, Eric Edholm of NFL.com, formerly a Yahoo. Uh, he, he, he's going to hop on with us. We'll talk all things NFL, including birds, with Eric. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on can Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. in here to birds 365 that's rick saratella right there right next to me he's uh filling in for john mcmullen um yes i promise i'll get you a uh, 
uh, NFL draft question in because that's what we usually have Ricky on, uh, E of NFL uh, Draft Bible. Um, uh, but we're we're doing specific Eagles here. Hoping you're enjoying yourself. If you are, hit that like button. Uh, Xander told me yesterday, and I know most of you streamers didn't know Xander. Uh, now the executive producer of this show that he's hand the reins over to Tone, who's doing an outstanding job producing it. He said, uh, we're doing great in a bunch of different numbers. And a lot of people are streaming in the birds 365 with the highest rated show on the channel. But for some reason, we don't get the likes. I, I'm starting to get a little self-conscious here, Ricky. Uh, is it the beard? Is it my backdrop? Is it the fact that I don't just sit here and sing the praises of the Eagles in every way, shape, or form every day? I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to give you my straight opinion. And, oh, by the way, I'm already on record. They, they're going to win 10 games. They're going to blow out the Lions week number one. They could win 11. Hold the gun to my head. Who wins the division? Cowboys, Eagles. I'd say Eagles. Not everybody does. But somehow I'm not a big enough Eagle fan for some people. Okay, fine. Um but if you think we're doing a decent job and giving you some information on a day-in, day-out basis, do us a favor. I'm asking for a favor. Hey, Jody Mac, do me a No, I'm asking <laughs> you guys to do me a favor. Hit the like button so we can get more likes because that would show good for the show. That's what I was told again. I don't understand the algorithm. I don't know how all this YouTube stuff works. I just know how to host the show. Um, but uh, do me and Johnny Mac and Ricky Saratella and Tone and Xander a favor, hit that like button for us. We would appreciate it. Greatly. Smash, right, uh, smash the like, Jody. Smash the like button. That's the, the terminology. It, do you smash. bonus points if it's smashed rather than pushed? I don't know. If you're telling me that is the case, the, 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 how much pressure you put on the button when you hit it, yeah, I'll ask for smash. J Jabari in the chat room is saying you got to smash the button. But, no, I think you've been doing this long enough, uh, Jody. I think you could cash in a favor or two. So hit the like button, subscribe, get the newest notifications and, and show alerts. And, uh, you know, that's all. They just need a little guidance, Jody. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you very much for those of you who have pushed, hit, or smashed the like button today. Do that whenever you log in with us here on Birds 365. All right, Saratel, I am going to tap into your expertise because, and again, I, I will apologize in advance for the Jalen Hurts defenders out there. I'm not a lover. I'm not a hater. I'm an independent observer. I, I mark myself as a fan because the night that he was drafted, when a lot of Eagle fans were calling me on WIP, what the hell are the Eagles doing picking a quarterback in the second round? We've got Carson Wentz. We just gave Carson Wentz $100 million. Why the hell would we take a quarterback in the second round? I like the pick. I thought it was a smart pick. Now, as and I said this that night. Nobody else uh, understood it and or agreed with me. It was for a backup position. They were bringing in an inexpensive backup for Carson Wentz. And I thought it was well worth it. He also created a safety net in case something went wrong, which I didn't think was going to go wrong, which absolutely did go wrong. But I liked it. So I'm I'm more of a, word, a Wentz fan than detractor. But I have to acknowledge he hasn't proven himself as a franchise quarterback just yet. If he doesn't this year, if there's a regression and he goes backwards, the Eagles are going to have to contemplate finding a franchise quarterback elsewhere and the number one place would be in the NFL draft. We're still several weeks before the college football season gets underway, Ricky. 
uh, getting reports in, have guys give you a little uh, birdie in the ear piece of information as to what quarterbacks look good. We know the top two are going to be um, the Alabama kid, the Ohio State kid. Uh, other quarterbacks are going to play themselves in the first round. We're going to have a much better quarterback draft this year than we did last year. What are you hearing from the gearing up on campuses, guys, that you have about top-level quarterback play in college football this year? Yeah, and, you know, I think we've we've spoken about it on some of your previous shows. I'm a big fan of the Bill Walsh philosophy of taking a quarterback every year, regardless. I don't care what round, just get a guy in there, because when you have quality quarterbacks, it's a good problem to have. You can flip them. You can trade them off for draft picks. You can find the next quarterback in waiting. And so even if Hurts does well, I don't expect, you know, talking about guys who won't be here next year, Gardner Menchu probably won't be here. Now, Reed Sinet's been playing very well as a backup, maybe he earns that job, but Howie Roseman has been a, a big proponent of, of drafting NFL quarterbacks. And I'll be actually uh, departing on Sunday. Uh, my second training camp stop will be up in Boston college. Oh, by the way, Phil Jerkovich, you know, coming over from Notre Dame uh, had a kind of spectacular first season in BC was a little banged up last year, but you talk about a six foot five signal caller who can run the RPO playing in that Jeff Halfley up-tempo offense. I'm going to be excited to see how that young man's looking because he's kind of one of those dark horse first round candidates. And then after Boston college, I'll be working my way over to Pittsburgh. Hey, Keaton Slovis, remember him uh, over from USC he now takes over that Kenny Pickett offense, which is really going to be designed for him to have a career year. And maybe he kind of – I had him in a day three range if he had come out last year. Uh, it wasn't a strong quarterback class, so maybe he would have even gone higher. How does he do in, in that Pittsburgh offense? Uh, I know they're bringing back uh, the offensive coordinator there, Sazetti. Uh, and so I'll be doing the training camp tour, trying to find guys like that. But you're right. Bryce Young, Alabama, CJ Stroud are going to be the two guys you hear about the most. Um, I, I saw somebody in the chat mention TVD, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Uh, he's another guy that came out. If you take a look, I think, at Tyler Van Dyke's last six games of the season, uh, just probably the best stretch of, of, of QB play in the nation. And so he's going to look to carry that momentum. Anthony Richardson from Florida He's been kind of this next Gators quarterback anointed. He, he's probably the most unproven commodity of the guys we're going to talk about. But you look around the uh, the mock draft landscape, he's popping up quite often, as is another guy we mentioned, Will Levis. And we talked about the Liam Cohen uh, offensive coordinator, Sean McVay, protege. I think playing in that offensive system is going to be very appealing to some of the coaches and and teams around the league and that's sean mcveigh tree jody i mean it's growing very rapidly around the league there's a lot of sean mcveigh disciples and i think the way that will levis again another six foot five passer with some mobility uh plays really well off of that play action i think all those guys as we stand here today on what august the 4th have a shot to hear their name called in round one let me ask you about another sec quarterback because i saw levis play last year and i thought he was good I didn't think he was first-round worthy, but we'll see how it shakes out by the time we get to the end of the season because I sure as hell didn't think Kenny Pickett was first-round worthy before the season started. 
I sure as hell didn't think that uh, Zach Wilson was first round deserving before the year started. So you got to give these guys the season, but you can have opinions on them before the season started. One guy, and I think it might have been you, um, uh, I think I saw on Twitter, a uh, guy who's actually gotten some pretty good buzz during this offseason is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I watched Tennessee play a couple games last year. Nothing jumped off the screen to me. Um, what is it about Hooker? Am I being accurate in saying that he seems to have moved his way into at least for this year's quarterback rankings, top 10 before the season starts? What do you like about uh, Hendon Hooker? Well, he's got all the traits and the tools that you look for. He's got the frame. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the intelligence. And uh, my understanding as well was if he were to come out last year, he did have a pending senior bowl invitation to be one of the senior bowl quarterbacks. So he was highly thought of. Now, I think he was a draft, you know, borderline draftable prospect that you're, you're kind of just betting on the traits. I think he has developmental upside. His best football is ahead of him. He's gotten better each season. So, you know, that's what's to like about Hendon Hooker. And there's another guy down there in the SEC, too, uh, Spencer Rattler, another quarterback with a, a lot of high accolades that people are still going to be fascinated by the traits. But remember, Jody, this guy was the anointed Oklahoma quarterback. He was the next big first-round pick, but he's going to try to rejuvenate his career in the SEC as well. Did he make a mistake by leaving Oklahoma? Because Caleb Williams, the guy who replaced him, up and left and went with the coach. Now it's a new Oklahoma system with a new head coach, but would he have been better staying there than transferring to South Carolina? You know, Brent Venables come in. He, he's probably going to want his own guys there. Lincoln Riley's off to USC. And, you know, everything you heard coming out of Oklahoma, I think it, I think it was time for a fresh start because even coming out of high school, there was maturity issues surrounding him and you kind of heard a lot of the same at Oklahoma. So I think it was just a scenario where a change of scenery was best for all parties. All right. And one more QB I want to ask you about, and then we're uh, going to get our, our buddy Eric Ed home from NFL.com up. Um, and this guy's name, I did uh, hear mention a bunch and I actually watched them play a couple of games last year because they were a surprise good team who at least, at one point, you could have made the argument, you know, if they run the table, we could talk about them getting the fourth playoff spot. I'm talking about Coastal Carolina and Grayson McCall. Again, uh, watched them play. He put up some nice numbers. Didn't wow me with his skill level, but is a guy who's being listed in the top 10 quarterbacks coming into this year's draft. Are you a fan of Grayson McCall of uh, Coastal Carolina's game? I am. I, I do like Grayson, and I think he's had a little bit of a roller coaster career and under the radar at Coastal Carolina, right? And, uh, you know, he's going to have to play well on the big stage. I think his, his opponents, when he plays against those top teams, could really sway a decision maker, see him play at a, a high level against who's, top competition. Who's Coastal Carolina got on the schedule this year? You know, that's a good question. I don't uh, know off the top of my head. I, I don't know, know off the top of my head, but I, I do know this. I've got I've received uh, a handful of calls from some very notable and reputable agents about Grayson McCall. So that tells me guys that are connected and, and talk to some of the scouting community folks, they're hitting me up asking me what I think. And when that happens, 
you know, the radar goes up and say, oh, you know, the, the agents are jumping on this guy that early. Well, they're, they're, usually when there's smoke, there's fire. And so because of the agents who were going after him so early, I think there's going to be uh, a lot of potential and hype surrounding that young man. All right. Uh, last thing, and again, Eric Edholm's going to join us in just a couple minutes. Right now, and give you all the latitude you need to change your mind between now and April of next year. Who's going to be the first quarterback off the board, Strouts or Young? I'm going to go C.J. Stroud just because they're, they're so evenly matched, but with the intangibles, he's a little bit bigger, I think a little bit stronger arm. And I do have, for whatever it's worth, I got the Carolina Panthers picking one. Uh, so, yeah, a suit up. Uh, oh, the uh, Carolina Panthers not going to take him if, even if they're number one because – uh, they their rookie quarterback the will be quarterbacking <laughs> their team by the middle of the season, so they won't be in need of a quarterback this year in the draft. That's actually a good thing for the Eagles, because here's one of the issues I have with the Eagles. They've got two first-round picks. There's a New Orleans. Unfortunately, it's kind of one of those good news, bad news things. Eagles don't win double-digit games, so their first-round pick isn't going to be all that good. I think the Saints, with Jameis Winston back, yes, I know they lost Coach Payton, but they've got some skill guy. We still don't know if Alvin Kamara, we're well, going to get suspended, but the question is how much. They got Michael Thomas back. They made some nice additions. I think Saints have a chance to win double-digit games too. So both of those picks might not be all that good. You're going to have to add them together just to get them to a certain spot, and that certain spot is not going to be at the very top of the draft. But if you're telling me Carolina is only going to win three games, it's going to be because Baker Mayfield can't play and then Sam Darnold can't play. But by the end of the season, they'll get their rookie quarterback in there. Oh, and they're going to win some games, Saratella. <laughs> well, well, we'll be keeping a lookout for Matty Corral there in, in Carolina. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see how they do. And, hey, we'll see how some of these rookie quarterbacks play. But um, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be uh, fun to get back on the road. It's really the first uh, uh, full-blown training camp tour post-COVID because even last year they still had some protocol in. So uh, I'm going to pack up and do about 25 schools in 20 days, and then I'll be back at the end of the month to to launch the football playbook here on Jacob uh, Sports Media, August 29th. Looking forward to it. So smash the like button, hit the subscribe, get the notifications. Buckle up, baby. Thank you much. Um, <laughs> I just punched up the Chanticleer schedule. Not great. They got Southern Miss, the third from the last game. They got Virginia there next to last game. They got their entire conference schedule and finish out with James Madison. They uh, Virginia's a legit team, legit ACC team, but I don't think they're competing for a top 25 spot this year. Uh, they won't be breaking into the top 25. So uh, I don't think the quarterback's going to have his chance to showcase the way that you mentioned earlier. All right, Jody Mack here with you, Rick Saratella, in for John McMullen. When we return, one of the best in the business. Covers the entire league and doing it for the home team this year. Moved over from Yahoo to the NFL.com. Eric Edholm joins us next here on Verge 365.
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Exodus. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Changed his tap this offseason. That's a horse racing reference from a jockey who moves from one track to the other, uh, changing one's tack. Uh, he has done his from uh, Yahoo to NFL.com. Eric, are you ready for some football tonight? Hall of Fame action? I take it you're going to be in front of your TV. You're not running off to Canton after you finish up with us, are you? I hope I'd love to run off to Canton. I've I've never been before. This is uh, I mean I've been covering the league is for for a minute here, and uh, it's the one trip I need to make. So the best I can do tonight is parking myself on the couch, taking a couple notes, sending a few texts to people all during the game. It, it's it's just like old times. <laughs> yeah, that Canton trip I I had a chance to do it a few years back for the first time, and it, it's just a incredible experience. Whether right. you work in the media or you're just a fan, it's just the incredible experience. I recommend anyone who's a football fan to just do it at least once in your lifetime. Yep. Uh, you'll remember it forever, but uh, congrats again on the NFL.com gig. You. I know uh, you've got your finger on the pulse when it comes to a national landscape. I mean, uh, not few, if any do it better. 
tell us where the I, I just mentioned before you came on, I'm going to be going on the college training camp tour. Yeah. Tell us where the Eric at home training camp tour is going to take him. It's, it's going to be a lot of home this year. We, we kind of got the deal done a little bit late. And so schedules were already kind of made and stuff like that. I had to cancel a trip to Indianapolis. I was going to try to stop in. I know the, the Lions and Colts have joint practices coming up. But uh, so I'll, this is going to be a little bit of a different year for me. I will try to make some stops at some of the local schools around here, Rick. I'll be uh, Northern Illinois is about 40 miles down the road. I've got Northwestern about uh, 25 miles. Madison's about an hour and a half away. So I'll, I'll make a couple short trips here and check in with some of those people. And and during the college season, I might be able to get out to a game or two, uh, especially those those Thursday, Friday games. I like those a lot. And I think NFL scouts do too because it allows them to follow their team or, or make weekend plans that differ a little bit. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a draft-heavy role, but right now I'm doing a lot of stuff around the NFL and camp reports and things like that. All right, so let me go to your uh, draft responsibilities. Guys coming forward to the National Football League, you've already gotten, seems like, your eye focus on those who will be on campus this year and then playing in the league in 2023. But I know how much time and effort you put into last year's draft and leading into 2022. Yeah. This year's camp, this year's uh, rookies in the National Football League, they've cut back on camps across the board. They did so because that was collectively bargained into an mm-hmm. agreement that teams are doing less. They're just putting in less hours, less strenuous practice. It's more about uh, film work and classroom work than it is. Are we going to see a reduction, just generally speaking, across the board in impact rookies have? And is it because that's what the NFL is now? They're just not uh, putting as much time and effort into being prepared as they had previously, which makes it harder on rookies. Yeah, I mean, I think in order to do a full, you know, comprehensive study on what the effect of uh, an altered offseason plan would be, you know, back, you know, obviously not compared to the old, old days, but the more recent old days where, uh, you know, the schedule was a little bit different. It was a little more intense. They had a little bit more on-field work, that sort of thing, a little more time and pads, what have you. Uh, and kind of just go year by year and see what the trend is to see uh, how many snaps are being played by rookies, how many snaps at, at certain positions, quarterback, obviously. You know, uh, I think we've seen some positions become more instant impact ones, like wide receiver. You know, generation ago, you know, we, we were talking football. We'd always say it takes three years for a wide receiver to develop in this league. That still can be the case, but obviously there are Jamar Chases and Justin Jeffersons and other people like that. And, you know, Devontae Smith, obviously, last year, too, who can step right in and, and be pro-quality players. So, you know, the talent is always going to be the bottom line. But, you know, I think if somebody did the work to find out, what is the real tangible effect of this? Are, are young players having fewer opportunities or less time to acclimate? Um, it would probably, you know, be a little bit more revealing because I don't know the answer. Truthfully, a lot of it's going to be anecdotal in, in my experience. Jalen Hurts, not a rookie, but a young quarterback, Eric. Uh, some would say he's still needs to develop. Now, he didn't play a single snap, I believe, last preseason. He doesn't expect to play a s- single snap this preseason. Are you a fan of that? And what's your take uh, on the Jalen Hurts season, this upcoming season? Do you think he takes a step forward, a step backward? Is he the guy that can take the Eagles there? Yeah, we've obviously seen teams take sort of vastly different approaches to the whole playing quarterbacks in the preseason thing. And, 
you know, obviously we heard coaches gripe about wanting, you know, more, pre, you know, keep the four game uh, preseason slate. Only two teams will have that. The rest will be three games. And, you know, uh, Sean McVay, for instance, I think his first year uh, with the Rams played Jared Goff in the first team offense, like six series or something, seven, you know, I mean, so, you know, it, it can, it can vary from team to team and approach to approach and, you know, it obviously depends a lot on the quarterback and how much they know the offense. For Jalen, obviously, this is, you know, nobody's, you know, saying that, that this isn't a crucial year for him and that, you know, the the A.J. Brown move and, you know, getting Smith in his second year and, you know, having Dallas Goddard in his prime and, uh, you know, assuming Miles Sanders is, is still going to be a, a vibrant playmaker and that offensive line coming together and everything, you know, th th there's no question that this is a critical season for him and, you know, can he, I mean, you don't want to take away his improvisational abilities because that's obviously what I think separates him and makes him different from other quarterbacks. Um, and he can do some, some special and fascinating things, but at the same time, those plays aren't always going to be there. And so the, the foundation of not holding on to the football, you know, understanding where your, your hot read is knowing what adjustments your receivers can make, getting better feel for protections, all those things that that come with, you know, a quarterback entering his third season. You would hope that those are up to speed and that he can maximize what I think is very good talent. But you always have, you know, I always had my reservations watching him in college, but it was hard not to keep watching him. He was a fascinating player. I doubly uh, don't know if you actually put together a list that made it to print, be it a website, uh, Yahoo and or uh, NFL. But I'm sure you've at least uh, contemplated, it, contemplated it. The tight end position coming up this year in the National Football League. Um, I think you have to put Dallas Goddard in your top ten. Some would put him in the top five. I think he's just outside the top five, but not as far down as ten. Where would you rank Dallas Goddard in the tight ends coming into this season? All things considered, quarterback included, yeah. uh, what Jalen Hurts has done, hasn't done. Where would you rank Dallas Goddard in NFL tight ends for 2022? Yeah, there's a spot open, right? Gronk's out, at least for now, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's guys fighting to get into that that top group there. And, yeah, I think Travis Kelsey certainly belongs at the top. George Kittle has is, is got to be in the in the discussion you know, Mark Andrews has been a really uh, solid and consistent performer. Darren Waller, even with a, uh, you know, an up and down year last year. Those are the names that I probably put ahead of him. And I would say, you know, Kyle Pitts, based on what he did as a rookie. Look, I don't care about the, I think it was one touchdown or whatever. I mean, his receiving work, obviously you know, putting up, I think the the second most yards by a rookie tight end ever, if I'm not mistaken show you that he could be a, a special talent. So I might put him ahead of him too, but then I, I don't know that there's another name off the top of my head. You know, there, there might be somebody else who ascends and obviously Zach Ertz or somebody like that, who's been doing it for a long time. Um, I, you know, I think Goddard's better than say like Dalton Schultz, who obviously was a, a big factor this off season and, you know, players like that. Hunter Henry, maybe Dawson Knox this year jumps up, but still, I think, you know, just Goddard's got uh, a great opportunity this season. He's done really nice things for the most part. And uh, I think after the Ertz trade, you saw him be the kind of the, the lead role a little bit more in that position. And, you know, with Brown, Smith, Goddard, that's, that's a pretty nice little trio right there, I think.
Yeah, I would tend to agree there, Eric. And since we're doing rankings, I know uh, Eagles fans, especially in the chat, are curious to hear, uh, where do you rank the Eagles in the division? Where do you rank the Eagles in the NFC? I think I think I'm, I, I can be talked into them winning the division. I really can. I mean, Dallas finished last year, I believe, what, first in yards and first in points maybe too? I mean, they were, you know, pretty darn special offensively and – uh defensively led the league i believe in turnovers as well that latter statistic is the one that makes me wonder boy is that repeatable is that the kind of thing that translates year to year you know we've obviously seen the you know the seahawks and lovey smith's bears and other teams be productive from a turnover standpoint year to year but historically that always not always carry over you know that's the kind of thing where you can go from 38 turnovers forced one year to 22 the next and it makes a massive difference on your team i'm that's those are that's one possession a game you're losing essentially so that's the kind of thing i worry about they seem stuck on going with ezekiel elliott as their main back and not shifting to tony pollard the it worries me about their receivers their offensive line i don't think we're talking about the the number one two three or four ranked offense in the league this year i think they'll come back a little and i also think their defense you know, just in terms of big plays, we'll, st- we'll step back. Whereas the Eagles, if they can make a incremental improvement against good quarterbacks, that was the one thing that stuck, stood out to me last year was that, you know, defensively, the rankings were pretty good. You know, overall, you'd say, boy, Jonathan Gannon did a pretty good job. But I know there's heat on him. I know there's higher expectations. I know the people who saw him getting head coaching interviews are saying, wait, really? You know, but I can also say that, if they just make better improvements and make bigger plays against those top tier quarterbacks, it could result in, you know, two, three, four different more wins. So I, I have, I give them a real good shot in the NFC. I would say they're in that kind of second tier, but there's, we're not talking about as a heavyweight conference like we have in the AFC side of things. So they're right in the thick of it, I think. Uh, thank you for going to the uh, plus minus, the turnover category from uh, last year in the NFL. There were three teams that ended up as a plus minus at zero, which mm-hmm. means as many turnovers as they yeah. had, they had giveaways. And sure enough, the Eagles were in that group. And if there you, you rate the plus minuses, it was 15, 16, 17, the dead middle of the National Football League. That's exactly where the Eagles were. Yeah, they add Hassan Reddick, they add James Bradbury on the outside, who's right. been killing it in camp. If there's going to be an addition or a minus to one or the other, I think the Eagles are going to be much better on the plus side. Put Jordan Davis in there as a right. disrupting force in the middle of the defensive line. You believe the Eagles can be a uh, plus this year rather than a dead zero like they were last year? Yeah, I mean, Bradbury got his hands on a lot of passes the last couple of years, especially two years ago with the Giants. I mean, he was, you know, felt like he was getting one or two pass deflections per game, making some interceptions, you know, getting his hands on on, on balls and, and forcing some balls loose as well. You know, we're probably going to have to wait for N'Kobe Dean, but Jordan Davis, as you said, uh, you know, obviously such a fascinating study, Rick. I know you've probably watched him extensively and, and just to, to figure out what kind of defense he'll fit in, how he'll be used. How much can you get out of him? You know, you may be, able, may be able to sit Fletcher Cox a little bit more. I know he's a different player. You know, you may be able to sit Javon Hargrave a little bit more. But, you know, again, different type of guy. But still, having that 
unique type of defender in the middle, I think is going to make a difference, even if he's not the one forcing the turnovers or having the sacks. Because as we know, his production was a little meager at Georgia, but think about what he opens up for other people and, and how much space he occupies. So he just fascinates me. I think a better play on the back seven uh, the Eagles will make more of those turnovers and, and big plays come. Yeah, that depth on the def- both the defensive and offensive line, the yeah. Eagles are stacked up pretty well. Uh, I'm going to fast forward here to week one because you mentioned you you were almost going to the Colts and Lions uh, scrimmage. Lions week one opponent for the Eagles. They're going to be on hard knocks, obviously, which yeah. I'm excited for. I think that'll be a lot of fun with Dan Campbell. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jody, he's laying the points. I know that much week one. He thinks it's going to be a blowout, not even close. I'm a little bit different. I think this Lions team is is young. They're hungry. They're on the upstart. They made some additions. I still think the Eagles eke this win out, but I I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than what uh, Mac Man here is predicting. What's yeah. your take? I mean, the Lions, it, it's such an interesting thing with them because – I feel like every two or three years, I always say, like, keep an eye on these guys. <laughs> like, their time is coming, you know. And it, it's, you know, teams like the Chargers, we've done it too. They're on a little bit of a different end of the spectrum too. But I, I think you're right. I it, It's hard not to get a little bit excited. Does Jared Goff limit their appeal to a certain degree? Sure. Do they still need to identify some more playmakers? Yeah, but, you know, DJ Shark is stepping up, uh, starting to, you know, get his feel in the offense. I'm on Ross St. Brown, had a great second half and was, you know, a productive slot guy for them. Jamison Williams, probably not ready by the time that game plays. So, but Hawkinson's back and healthy. I mean, they've got a little bit of offensive juice there. They really think this could be the year for for DeAndre Swift. I was talking to them right as they were about to start camp and they just sort of felt like, you know, it's going to come together this year for Swift. And they and they view him in the same way that the Saints use Alvin Kamara. I don't know that he'll be quite that good. But, I mean, you know, that's the type of player. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, I, I, I'm i not worried. Their offensive line is good. Their defensive line should be a little bit better. Do they have the bodies at linebacker, corner, safety? I don't know. I mean, I think the Eagles will be able to move the ball on the Lions. That's, that's the – the question is whether they can make enough big plays defensively to stop a team like that. So I would still lean Philly, but this Detroit team is going to be interesting, I think. Yeah, the over-under for the first game of the season is two, as in <laughs> touchdowns that the Eagles win by. Will it be more than two or less than two? Right now I'm leaning toward the over. Sorry about that, Dan yeah. Campbell. Uh, not, 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 not just yet, Dan Campbell. Um, <laughs> but here's a legit question about the Birds. They've got Detroit week one, and we're all leaning toward Detroit. Me a little more heavy-handed than you two guys, but we're leaning toward the Eagles being able to beat the Lions. Then Minnesota, then Washington, then Jacksonville. At Washington, home against Minnesota and Jacksonville after opening in Detroit. If the Eagles are any less than three and one, Mm. is that not a bad start for them? Yeah, I mean, look at that schedule. I would stack it up against the other 31 teams, and I bet you couldn't find three or four more teams with a more desirable four-game slate than that. I mean, I, you know, if you're going to catch the Lions, that seems like a team that would be better towards the end of the season, I would say. Than really? The Are you saying that? Because that's exactly what I said. And the others yeah. have gone, no, no, no. You want to get the Lions early because they don't know they're going to be bad yet. They, they, oh, they've I washed see. away last year, and I'm with you. 
I'd rather play the Lions right away. Get them yeah. out of the way. I look at it from more of an Eagle perspective than a Lion perspective. Yeah. Get as many wins as you can. Right. Build up a momentum. Uh, prove that last year's second half wasn't a fluke. I like the fact that the Lions are uh, on the road to Eagles' early schedule. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I mean, I could see – them having, you know, obviously early last year, the Lions, you know, that first game, if I remember correctly, they fall way behind and fight all the way back and just short, you know, they lose that crazy game early in the season to the Ravens, you know, I mean, so they hadn't kind of figured things out yet. Now, obviously, it's not like they figured a lot out last year, but by the end of the season, you saw a pretty competitive football team, at least that one, you know, one that wasn't going to embarrass themselves. So I, I assume the same trend might happen again as they kind of sort out some of these young roles. I mean, the secondary worries me. Linebacker still kind of an unknown at this point. Um, offensively, they're going to be better. But, yeah, I mean, that schedule, that opening quartet is nice for Philly. So, yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you. If they start 2-2, two and two, is it going to be full-on panic? No. You could see Minnesota winning that game, right? I mean, there's, there's a couple of games that are at least in the moderate toss-up category there, but – it, it it certainly would behoove them to take advantage of this portion of the schedule, I would think. All right, guys, so there, uh, working through some internet. Yeah, I think Ricky's frozen up on us. All right, uh, got to get your take on the whole Deshaun Watson thing. It's the talk of the National Football sure. League. We want to stay on, on the field and talk about this story is so huge. You cannot ignore it. No surprise to me yesterday that the NFL appealed the suspension that Judge Sue Robinson gave. If you are going to negotiate the power into basically overrule, then when given the chance, if you don't think the punishment is enough, you're kind of obligated to do just that, appeal it and say, no, no, we'll actually make the decision. I was not surprised. My usual partner, Johnny Mac, was. He thought the NFL was going to try and establish the fact that it is independent. It's independent to the point that if the independent arbitrator gets it right in their opinion, well, and all is well and good. But if it's not, of course, Goodell's going to jump in. How much uh, more heavy handed do you think he's going to be when the NFL puts forth what they believe the suspension uh, should be and probably will be, even if it goes further into the court of law? Yeah, I mean, the, the the findings of the case that Sue Robinson investigated, you know, the the essentially the written portion of what her report said will not change, right? It's not a matter of introducing new facts or, oh, did you think about this? No, she, it's basically taking the list of things she considered in assessing her six-game suspension. I mean, I know some people have been confused about that. That's why I'm kind of taking a step back here a little bit. Taking those facts, her report, and saying, you had the right idea, the wrong suspension. That's what the league is essentially saying. They they felt the crimes that she's saying he committed, the, the wrongdoings, not crime necessarily uh, from a legal standpoint, but those are worth more than six games. That's the league's stance by appealing. They're basically saying it should be 12. It should be 17 games. It should be indefinite, whatever that number they come up with is. So, you know, that's obviously the bottom line right there. And – I don't think there's been a lot of resistance to it. I don't. I think most people are sitting back after having heard those bigger numbers before, feel like, yeah, are we are we, are we misinterpreting this? Are we kind of reading it wrong here uh, based on what she wrote? Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to some, but six had been the number that a lot of people have been predicting for the few weeks leading up to it. So it wasn't a shock to me just because I'd heard it so many times at that point. 
but certainly it wasn't all that well received and the NFL is trying to, you know, kind of rectify that, I think, in, in terms of the, the PR game. All right. Uh, stating that I'm playing uh, devil's advocate here because I don't have a problem with what the NFL did. And I sure as hell wasn't surprised by it a little bit. Um, but uh, to look at the other side of the equation, does the NFL put too much emphasis on public opinion, the court of public uh, opinion and their fan base that is evaluating them? Um, you have to weigh the downside if the public opinion is going against you. What actually happens? What is the next shoe to drop? Are they going to not watch NFL action? I don't think so. Right. That's my partner, John McMullen's stance. Well, why do they actually worry about public opinion? I think any corporation should, at least in part, be worried about the, yeah. the, the people that they're putting their product out there for. Does the NFL worry about it too much, in your opinion? I mean, you know, compared to other similarly sized corporations who are, you know, know that they're fans are brand loyal, you know, to, to a certain degree, you know, obviously I think the NFL might have turned some fans off along the way for, for various reasons, you know, whether it was something they viewed as, um, you know, not being part of their value system, or if they feel like the product wasn't that good, then they'll leave. And I think the league and any other big business knows that. No, obviously I'm a little bit uh, of a, of a biased narrator here in the sense that I'm, I'm, I work for the league now, but yeah, it, it obviously, I think if you were to compare it to, you know, Coke or Google or any other massive brand like that, this is how they operate, right? They want to get a, a feel for the temperature and get to get to know what people are thinking. And they do a lot of trial balloons to see, like, what would the reaction be to X? What about Y? How about Z? You know, and you, and you throw them all up there and, and see what people's responses are. And that kind of helps at least shape your, your policy or at least give you an idea of, okay, this is the blowback we're going to get when we announce Z, right? So it helps prepare you. And I think PR people, and we'll always say that, you know, they're, they're better at putting out fires if they know the fire is coming, right? You can get a few buckets of water ready uh, to help put it out. So if they're going to do something they know is unpopular, whether it's the, the league or any other, you know, massive fortune 500 type operation, right? they want to be prepared for, for what the, the blowback might be. I want to get your opinion on this. E, um, Cause it's pretty big deal. I think it's just my opinion. The last couple of years, the NFL has been able to not worry all that much about Thursday night football. They had someone willing to pay a big number for it. The numbers in comparison to other numbers with NFL TV ratings was certainly lower but that's newness. People just weren't used to watching Thursday Night Football. Well, that, that's kind of gone by the wayside now because it's been a couple of years since they initiated Thursday Night Football. First ever streaming. Uh, most of the country is streaming these days. Somebody's got some streaming service, a smart TV, the ability to get it. Will they eventually share it somewhere else? Or is it purely going to be solely on streaming? How big a deal is this for the National Football League that they hit the ground running with the streaming on Amazon on Thursday night for the future broadcast of the NFL? Yeah, I mean, if there's ever a business to test this and, and sort of say we believe in the future of streaming, this is the one. I mean, take the most popular sport, you know, do it on a night when maybe you could experiment a little bit, right? Sundays, you, you want to sort of 
slow play that a little bit. Monday Night Football still has that traditional in front of the TV field to for some people, what have you. So Thursday ended up being the perfect platform, and and you have Amazon willing to fork over a massive package to to earn the rights to this thing. And and I think they're going to do a bang up job for it. I think they're going to help change people's behavior. You know, again, I'm not trying Good. to sound like a, you know, like a, a mouthpiece for the league here. I just, I honestly think that their belief in, in the, the power and the, and the uh, staying power of, of, of streaming and that people are moving more in that direction over time. Um, and that they're going to kind of help nudge people, you know, sort of push people in the, well, I want to watch my team play, don't I? Right? You know, my team's on prime time. I'm gonna what miss the game, right? And there's still gonna be that transition period where you, I think, you let bars and restaurants maybe, you know, use that service and, and broadcast it in those in those settings. So obviously, there's some talk about that and different ways to kind of, you know, bridge the gap or whatever. But it's the future's here. It's coming. I think that's the, that's the way it's it's headed. All right, E, last question, and certainly give you the right to change your mind. We'll do that right here on Birds 365, because we'll shortly have you back on before the season starts. Yeah. Not going to ask you who's going to win the Super Bowl. Instead, I'm going to ask you who's going to win the MVP. This Rodgers guy's had a pretty good grasp on it the last couple of years, but he doesn't have Devontae Adams anymore. Um, There's no standout, unquestioned, this is the team that's going to win. Yeah. 14 games now out of 17 rather than 14 out of 16. Uh, front runner MVP candidate for you here in early August. Yeah, I think if Tom Brady is close to being in the in contention, he'll win it just because everybody will sort of want to give him the honorary lifetime title. Let's put that possibility to the side for a minute. I mean, I you know, nostalgia is great. And, you know, I would love to see him go out in style and not limp out of his career. But if that something like that doesn't happen – the obvious candidates, you know, let's not forget Patrick Mahomes is pretty good, even if he finished last year on a little bit of a down note. Um, I think some of that will have been fixed by the time he hits the field again. Justin Herbert, we saw, you know, match Mahomes throw for throw a couple times last year, throw brilliantly in some games. If they can protect him, he's got a shot. He's that good. Obviously, Russell Wilson in Denver, just the the new setting coming over as the savior. You'd have to think he'd be in the mix, even if his career has been on a little bit of a downward trajectory. You know, you'd say since about mid-season 2020, things have kind of gone off track a little bit. But, you know, those are the first kind of names that come to mind. You know, obviously, Rodgers will be in there. He's special, even if he doesn't have Devontae. So you got to do it a different way. But you know, we know Brady, obviously, but I, I I tend to think that one of these young guns can do it. Burrow has to be in the mix as well. And, and you know, there's just so many good talents in that position. It's going to be hard for a non-quarterback to win it. Mm, you touched on almost all of them. The only one you left out was Josh Allen, who there I might go. put at the top of Probably the Probably a favorite, too, right? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> not too good at this, boys. Yeah. But, I, but I really liked your Brady line of thinking. When in doubt give it to the old guy as he's walking right. out the door who happens to be the goat greatest of all time. That's that, as a, you, as a you, fellow. You my, I had not thought along those lines. Yeah. Shame on me for not good for you uh, for going there. I think he might even be the favorite or should be the favorite over Josh Allen, but he uh, E-E, great stuff. We're going to let you run. Thank you very much. We're going to have you back on next time. Yes. You can mention Josh Allen. When I ask <laughs> you about the MVP. I'll write yes, we'll, we'll make you make a Super Bowl prediction when we get you on uh, once we get into uh, September before the season starts. Thanks for joining us today. It was a pleasure, boys. See ya.
Thanks. That is Eric at home. Now for the NFL.com was phenomenal with Yahoo for years uh, doing the NFL.com thing these days. And he doesn't play it like a homer uh, defend the shield type stuff. You heard him um, looking forward to have Eric back at a later date. All right. Sarah Tell is back. He's got his internet issues worked out for the moment, uh, but we'll, we'll give him a chance to break down again, but then we'll also give him a chance to come back and help us put a bow on the show here on birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that can you search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. Here on Birds 365, but I look up and say, oh, shit, Saratella's gone. Um, so uh, connection issues with him again. He did a real nice job filling in for uh, Johnny Mac. Um, J-Mac will be back tomorrow. As a matter of fact, a little uh, bit of a preview for you guys. 
we do have one of our two guests booked tomorrow because you know we usually try and book two guests when it's John and myself. If John is going to be at Eagle Camp, then he is the quote unquote first guest uh, because we're going to get him on before he's got to start his daily responsibilities. Uh, so since John's going to be in uh, full time tomorrow and co-hosting with me, we need two guests. We have the guest booked for the second hour and I'm looking forward to it. Mike Missinelli, who will be part of our Jacob Media Eagle post game show team here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I think a bunch of our, if not all of our streamers, uh, are quite familiar with Mr. Missinelli's decades of work here in the Delaware Valley. Uh, very much looking forward to Mike and the job that he's going to do with Seth and Degon and uh, Devin Caney on the Eagles post game show. He's going to join us tomorrow to talk some Eagles football. Um, I haven't seen Mike uh, personally for a couple of years. Certainly seen him on TV. Looking forward to seeing him here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel this year. During the Eagles season on the post-game show, I reached out to Mike. He said, yeah, I can hop on with you guys on Friday. Uh, so Mike Missinelli will be on with us tomorrow in hour number two to talk Eagles football. It'll be uh, me and McMullen uh, back here tomorrow. Uh, Rick Saratella heading out to the road before he comes back and starts his own show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Get some scouting in uh, on the collegiate side before the season gets underway. The question I was going to ask Ricky was, as he's doing his prep for the uh, stops he's going to take on his collegiate tour, was there anybody when he was checking the rosters, he said to himself, wait a minute, well, how did he get here? The transfer portal is such an underrated story. In college football. I know we're, we're a birds 365, but the, the birds are going to be better this year because of Jordan Davis, because of uh, at some point, possibly Cam Jurgens first round draft, uh, second round draft pick because of N'Kobe Dean. I know he's lagging behind other linebackers in camp right now, but at some point during the season, believe me, N'Kobe Dean's going to make some plays for the Eagles. Um, that's where you get your players from, the feeder system that is college football. So if we're worried about college players, it's because at some point they could become Philadelphia Eagles. So that's how I justify talking about it as much as I do. And Rick Saratella is a great informational source when you are talking about college football. So we're glad to have him on as part of the show the last couple of days. Uh, we'll get Ricky back at some point into the mix, uh, but it'll be Mac and Mac. Johnny Mack and Jody McDonald here tomorrow with Mike Messinelli joining us in hour number two. Who's going to join us in hour number one? That's still to be determined. We've got to try and book that. But you can be tuned right here tomorrow for another episode of Birds 365 with Mac and Mac in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.